Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of A Day in the Life of an Immigrant. My name is Tayswo Osar, and with me, as always, Who's Jack Bigadoo. What's up, Jack? What's happening? <laughs> long week. Fuck yeah, man. It's a long year. Shit. You know what? At this point in time, I believe for 2020, we allowed to just <coughs> take a break. <laughs> Wait, you just coughed. I had to. Like, t- like, like, take a break from Are life. You like, good? I'll be back. <laughs> like, I'll be back. Like, where do we go if you leave 2020, though? I'll be back. Like, send me, send me to a third world country somewhere. I'll be back. Yo, honestly, like, that's what I'm I considered about. it. Yeah, no, actually, like, wait, this you, is the wait, year. Your borders are open. Yeah, but this is the year to take a sabbatical. Like, if you're Facts. planning to take one, oh, absolutely, take one this year. Be back. BRB? Be, be back. Be back. So, um, we're going to jump right into it and step on the block. Stepping on the block. We should have like a jiggle for it, jingle for it. Yeah, we're working on that. We need interns, so <laughs> holla at us. Um, today's segment on the block for me is exhaustion from everything. But we'll talk about that in Corona Corner as well. So I'm going to split the two. Um, I'm exhausted because day in, day out, I have to worry about my well-being, the people around me, and the children that I, well, that I care for, that are black. And then, as if tension is not high enough, we have the malarkey that happened in um, in Kenosha, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, mm-hmm. where um, an unarmed black man yet again is gunned down by those appointed to protect and serve. These two individuals escorted this young black man um, to his car and then gunned him down. Which, ironically speaking, the very next day or a couple of days after that, a white dude holding a chopper, like a whole, what was it, M16? AR-15. AR-15. Mm-hmm. Was led to roam the streets and subsequently get arrested. And I'm not even tired anymore. I'll be honest. I'm not tired. Okay, Tesu, let, let me stop you. No, 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 no. No, no. no let me Hold finish. On. No, 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 no. Before I interject, I have to land this point. I'm not tired. I am numb to this at this point. Um, I want to be angry, but I've come to accept that this is what it's going to be. And it is what it is. Because the way I view America these days, America is split up into two portions of it. Um, there are those of us that are doing the work to try and make this place a better place. And then there are those that are trying to stop the improvement and the uplifting of those that are trying to do the work. So, and I, I don't say that just for people of color or black people. I say that in reference to um, the everyday working person who has a decent who's a decent human being and wants to see the other human being prosper or another fellow American prosper. Go ahead. What were you going to say? The, the one thing you need to understand is the, what I believe most white people don't understand. And some black people and some people of color, not people of color. You can't say people of color more like immigrants. Black immigrants don't understand certain things. 
because we were we were we were raised by colonialism. We were raised by the colonizer. We were brainwashed by a white person. So we think, and I don't care what people think, what people say, but most immigrants think like white people. You want to dance this dance, Jack? I, but it I'm is in, true. I'm in the mood. No, but most I will immigrant, tell you, if you want to dance this dance, we can do, you, do it. Do you want me to? Go ahead. Can yeah, I make my, my bad? My bad. I'm sorry. I apologize. You most most immigrant thinks like white people. We are we are friends with white people really easily. Yes, because we, without even without even being aware of it, mm-hmm. believe we're white. A lot of immigrants. And the way of thinking, I, I wouldn't say that. that not, way. not believe physically that we're white, but the, the way privilege. the white person, the, correct. The, the way the white person think, correct. correct, is the way we think. We see that as the model of which we should shape our lives. Correct. So when things like this happen, mm-hmm. when a person of color mm-hmm. gets shot, mm-hmm. a person of color, no, a black person. Let's not say person of color, because that's that widens the umbrella. A person of color. If you if you're black, if you're light black, if you're no, but it's still okay. Go ahead. You're a person of color. Let's not not argue semantics. Go ahead. You're the one argue semantics. I'm not. But go ahead. The when a person of color gets shot like a dog, um, the the what we discuss in our way of thinking of what did you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the First thing that goes through the mind, yep. the black immigrant mind, right? It's like, what did you do? Correct. Right? It's never why. Why is this happening? And this is not right, right. because there is plenty of scenarios mm-hmm. and multiple scenarios where people in that same position have walked away from the police, mm-hmm. have fought with the police have pulled a knife on the police, have held a gun to the police, and the police. still yeah. came out alive and well. Correct. But what... Shit, fucking Harambe got shot. Go ahead. My bad, my bad. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. When most people are looking at this situation, mm-hmm. they, as immigrants, we look at this situation, again, we already have a love-hate relationship with our own African-American people. Correct. But what most our, immigrants... Our distant cousins. Yeah, most immigrants look at an African-American get shot. It doesn't It doesn't hurt them. Are you phased by it? Does it hurt you? Yes. Why? Because, like I mentioned before on our previous podcast, mm-hmm. I, I've finally put my two words in the same bucket, my immigrant word and my African-American black word in the same bucket. Gotcha. To realize what the definition of my blackness, right? Mm -hmm. And once you realize that, there's nothing more dangerous than a woke or a conscious black man. And a, a conscious a black man. Wait, but is he, I mean, you have to. There's two versions of that. No, you okay. you see, you always like to pick on people because you actually believe that people have to be superior. No, no. no. What I'm trying to tell you here is, I don't care which level of wokeness you think you have, but the truth is, if as an immigrant, a black person, you are looking at another African American. If you feel for them, you understand the systematic racism mm-hmm. and the white supremacy way. That America was built on. Gotcha. But if you don't get it, I still can be mad at you as an immigrant. Wow. The reason why is because you just haven't gotten in touch 
with your blackness yet. The, colon, the, colo, the colonial way that we were raised is still the way you live by. And I can't be mad at you because you just don't understand. Mm-hmm. Because here, here's the thing. How many, how many immigrants that are black people that you know, if they see you and I, even though we're American citizen, and even if we're living in an open carry state, mm-hmm. holding an AR-15 to our chest, right. will we'll look at us and go, oh, that's normal. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, no. They are going to say you are a crazy person. That does not, you shouldn't, you sh- there's no way you even own a gun. Right. And you is actually it, are carrying one. Yeah, is it legal? They won't even ask all these questions. Right. The simple fact that you have a weapon mm-hmm. is crazy. Right, right, right. No. I, I, but, but. So, in the white supremacy way that this is seen, is that a white man with a weapon is just a responsible gun owner. Right. A black man with a weapon is a, is a threat. threat. Right. Like even, so even, that's why when a kid, a 17 or 16 year old kid is roaming on the street pretending to be a quote unquote militia. No, they said he was affiliated with the cops. That was the news. No, no, no. So no. So the way it is that the, there is a group, a, a group of cops that have their private group. Mm-hmm that have people inside of that group that are not cops that call themselves militias because they're second amendment pro militia protect the the land and they were saying at this point in time in that group they're saying we need we will need you guys help Mm -hmm. to come back us up on the street now some militia people were there in those protests because with wyoming uh what wisconsin is an open carry but those people were there after the care the, the 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 curfew was already passed. But the cop, because they were all white, didn't see a problem right, right, with right. those people standing there. And part of those people is this sixteen-year-old, seventeen-year-old that drove a. He was part of the Facebook group. Drove across state lines to come and help with his friends. From the militia. To protect the business. From the militia. So, as this kid is been is literally been in people's face, mm-hmm. and people pretty much are already mad at the situation. Right. As a good seventeen year old without any maturity and no sense of humanity, decide to pull this gun and shoot people. Right. No, but this is what I'm saying. But uh, like I'm saying, that him shooting people is not even the problem here. Right. It's the, the problem is seeing a man mm-hmm. with a gun walking into a, 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 a hostile environment. A, a hostile already, environment. Already, no, it's it's not hostile. It's already volatile. Violent, volatile environment, yeah. and not even saying, you know what? You hey, need to relax. Y'all need y'all don't need to be here. Right, 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 right. You need to go. go no, somewhere. but because they're all white. Yeah. They are just responsible gun owner trying to protect, protect them. Th- but themselves. it's still like, yo, I, this is a this is a problem that bothers me. About the men shot people and, and the cars pass, pass him yo, because because oh my, a white man the, with a gun can never be a threat. Listen, fam. Like, let me tell you something. Right? Again, it, it's 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 just it, it's it's the audacity. You know what I'm saying? Like, there, there's a certain level of arrogance that comes with that. Where you just know, you know what I'm saying? Like, shit. When we get, when we're driving in the car, a cop car passes you on even this, if there's a median, 
right? What do you do? You look at the mirror, right? You're like, oh, fuck. This motherfucker whips a Yui right now. I'm fucked. You know what I'm saying? Not like fucked in the sense, but they're going to find something to like pin on you or whatever the case may be. Yep. And it sucks to have that mentality, but we've always just had that. Mm-hmm. So it just, it just, it, 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 it's just like, I'm to a point now where it's just like, I'm ready for whatever. And I'm doing my best. And this is, look, I'm, if we're going to be transparent, we're going to be transparent. I'm doing my best for, to, to still believe in some sort, so, some sort of system. Mm-hmm. And hope that justice prevails because if I'm this numb to this and I understand how my brain works, I cannot imagine, I, I, I can only imagine that there are other people out there that think the way I think. Do you, do you, do you believe in the projection of spirits? No, I don't believe in spirits. Okay. I grew up in Africa and there's no way I will not believe in <laughs> Where the spirit. fuck did I grow up? I don't know where you grew up. <laughs> But there's such a things that there's there's a thing in Africa they used to say that don't bring bad omen, mm-hmm. right? Don't bring bad omen, meaning don't take any negative and you know some people call it energy, right? Don't take any negative energy and bring it my way mm-hmm. because it's contagious, right? Right. Okay. Here is the reason why I believe this election has to go a different way than last election went. And not that this is a political podcast. No, it's we not. Have no, we I, have no I do not care. dog in this fight. I really do not care. Yeah, but we're just hoping for the greater good. Not even the greater good. Okay. Energy. Thank you. That's a since, yes. since 2016, the, energy, the energy but, but in who? America, for everyone. Are you sure? Yes, because here's so the thing. Though, even though, so, here is so how people me, don't understand let me ask, energy. Let me ask you a question. In terms of energy, right? And I know where you're going with this, but let me ask you the question. So, like, let's so that you're clear mm-hmm. with the message that you're about to put out. Are you saying that, if I understand what you're saying, right? What Are you saying that in as much as the homie in chief, whatever you want to call 45, right? Let's be respectful. Is the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that as much as he has emboldened his base, they're still uncomfortable because the energy is fucked up? No. What are you saying? So here's how energy works, mm-hmm. right? To every good turn bad mm-hmm. and to every bad revive. That's how energy works. So if you bring bad omen, Wait, right? Bad energy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Everything that is opposed to it die, right? Mm-hmm. So if there's good energy versus right. bad energy, good energy is gonna die because there's darkness coming mm-hmm. in, right? Mm-hmm. But to every bad dormant energy, mm-hmm. it revive and give it power. Okay. And this is what's happening. So you're saying. So, so you're saying the last four years have been just the a, revival a of the of, dark of energy. Just the dark energy. Because okay. here's the thing. This is nothing new. No, absolutely. This right yeah, here yeah. is it's just, nothing it's just another new. cycle, yeah. A, this, America have always been proof bipolar. Full of racist, full yeah. of uh, bigot, full yeah. of people, but guess what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the positive life light is everywhere, mm-hmm. that energy shrink, literally, that bad energy, because everybody around you is just shining, that sunshine, mm-hmm. you can't help yourself but to you go, Maybe I should keep that in the closet. 
maybe that Confederate flag should be maybe in my in my closet. Yeah, maybe my clan. Maybe be, maybe yeah. I should let these black people come to my bar for a couple of days because everybody on my neighborhood is is there. Mm-hmm. Maybe saying this word here is not gonna work because ninety percent of people here don't agree with me. Right. Right. right? But somebody comes in and say, here is this bad energy. I'm going to push you away. Mm -hmm. And then you go, I've been thinking this in the closet for a long time. Right. Fuck it. Now Now we are. Oh, it's lit. All right. All right. So this is not new because we we came from racism. We came from racism. We came from slavery and all these things. So it is embedded in our history. Right. There is a reason also why what people don't understand. There's a reason also why all those statues of those confederate or hero and all those people were sitting there mm-hmm. not being bothered. Mm-hmm. The reason why it, 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 it is not being bothered mm-hmm. is because there was such a positive energy that people looked at it and went, hey, this is part of our history. Mm-hmm. Good, bad, or ugly. But when that dark energy starts fusing around people, mm-hmm. people go, Oh no 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 no! This is a reminder there of some shit. That, like the, that's some, that dark, some dark time. Okay, right? can I ask you a question? Yeah. So in your home country, do you guys have colonizer statues? No. <laughs> I love how you said that with the quickness. No. Because we don't either. Yeah. The reason why is because why would you keep the people that oppress you yeah, statues? Yeah, 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 absolutely. After after our independence, those yeah. statues Get went the down. Fuck off. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so here, as you look at history, mm-hmm. history is only good to be part of your present mm-hmm. if your present is better than your history. Yeah, correct. Yeah. It's a re- it's a it's, it's, a re- it's that whole like it's a projection yeah, a reminder, yeah, right? Just, hey, we we been there. The we yeah, came we, far. Exactly. Right? Okay, okay. But when you gonna See, Try to go Jack, Jack back. Is, Jack is taking us to a whole. See, I to, was angry, but Jack to is, that history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. so I don't care what anybody say about our president, mm-hmm. but I believe that the dark cloud energy mm-hmm. from his first speech that Mexicans are racist and they're bringing drugs. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're 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 rapists. They 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 bring their drug and they they maybe have some fine people. And you have people like Tucker Carlson, Hannibal, all those people on Fox News that turn the black community to be the dirt and the darkness that come in. Here's what happened. That dark cloud, that dark energy start getting profusively contagious. And all of a sudden, we now... That used to look at police officers, right? We know that you can lose police officers to be the protect and serve. Every movie, we think they're the cool people. You see a cop, you're like, I want to become one. Now, that dark energy just front upon those people. And then you look at them and you go, oh, no, you are the worst thing that happened to us. So what is happening to us now in America, I'm telling you right now? Is the dark energy that our president just spewed all over us? He was the conduit. He is. Can I ask you a question? If the devil has a plan, he was the one that went through. (laughs) Come on. Don't step on the punchline. Hold up. Can I ask you a (laughs) question? The reason why I'm laughing is I have a a sick question Mm after I'm going to ask you. So, do you believe in higher powers, right? Yeah. I don't. But, um, so let's say, let's say, Let's say at the pearly gates, right? Mm-hmm. There's Tucker Carlson, 
Sean Hannity, uh, Donald Trump, uh, Ann Coulter, and all these other mm-hmm. fucking talking heads, mm-hmm. right? And they get to the gate, and Asia Girl Bro's sitting there. Mm-hmm. I want to be a fly on his shoulder <laughs> just to, to see, see what the fuck happened. <laughs> oh my God! Yo, I want to see, like, it's like, nah, you're a racist. So, well, well, no, I was talking for the American people. Get your ass. <laughs> Shut up! I don't think those people are even going to go through it. they just going to be dumped back there. Oh, where? Oh, no. Again. Uh, but it, it, like I say, it, we have to realize right now, dear Americans, a black, white, Asian, I don't care, immigrant, whatever you are. If you if you want one thing, if if you if I can do one thing for you, mm-hmm. is protect your energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For because sure. Because there is a dark cloud upon us. So if you're a praying person, pray mm-hmm. for some light. If you're a meditating person, meditate. Um, pray for your your sanity. Yeah. Your light. May that light protect your your children, and none of that bad energy gets to you Amen. to bring the worst out of you. All right, this has been the block. Uh, before I close this segment, um, I want to give, I want to say rest in peace to uh, Jacob Blake, um, George Floyd, and uh, Breonna Taylor. We need, yo, all right, homie from Kentucky or wherever the fuck you're from, please do the need for and arrest these fuckers. Like, it, it's been going on way longer than we need this to go on. Rest in peace, Breonna Taylor. Uh, rest in peace, George Floyd. Uh, James Scurlock, rest in peace. Um, Omaha native, we miss all of you guys. We love you. And now we're stepping off the block. Corona corner. There's no jiggle today. What? I'm what? what? I am way too hot. Come on, man. You have to do the jiggles. You have to lighten this now. Because the people love the jiggle. Come on. The corona would again. You see, you know it. But you, I'm not singing. I'm you, not going to sing You won't do it. All right. Okay, sorry. All right, ready? One, two, three. The corona would not get me again. The corona would not get you see, I wrote a corner back. I, I, I can get you to do no, it. I'm not doing it. You see, ladies and gentlemen, he can do it. So he chooses that. I to. just don't like to sing. It's weird. <laughs> uh, so, Corona Corner. Um, what, what, first of all, Jack, how are you? I'm okay. You keep saying you're okay. I'm okay. okay. I'm not great yet. All right. I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, I wasn't. Um, I was in the mountains for a little bit. I kind of detached there for a while. Mm -hmm. I came back more fucked up than I was when I left. That happens. Um, And it's been a difficult week trying to reconcile that. Just emotionally, mentally, psychologically, everything. Um, I can feel shit now. Mm -hmm. Like all my faculties are back 100%. We're back to 2010, baby. But um, the greatest takeaway I would say from from my time away is just, again, the idea of protecting your energy. Like, I, I say energy and energy, right? Energy, which is everything that happens around you, right? Plus what you put out there. 
and that's my that's just my translation of it. But energy is just your your true core of who you are as a person, and just re like relearning how to you know re uh, reroute yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like where Corona has pulled us in various different corners, but again, it's just to reconfigure yourself and come back to the very human being that you've been because. What Corona has done in this whole what five months of working from home and being dissociated is it has fucked with our psyche. It has fucked with our social life. It has fucked with our relationships. It has fucked with our friendships. It has fucked with every facet of our lives that, you know, and somebody like me, I've adapted in such a way that is more so detrimental to my well-being than it is positive mm-hmm. because as an introvert, when there was no corona, I had the ability to go outside and still be introverted, but still feel energy to some degree until I got overwhelmed by it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm stuck in the house. I can't be around people. You coughed earlier, so six feet. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like, again, it's just that idea that I think, you know, and people say this all the time, and I don't like when people say but it's it's... I'm in calibra- uh, recalibration mode right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm drinking more water. Um, I'm working out two to three times a day. You know, um, a buddy of mine was going through a situation today, just not happy with the way of the world in America right now. And the way I chose to be present for this person wasn't to, hey, what's going on? Oh, mm-hmm. my God, how can I help you? I said, yeah, I'm calling you right now. We're about to do push-ups on the phone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Again, it's just you find a way to center your energy, but even those around you, you find a way to ensure that their energy is protected as well because Mm -hmm. they may be going through something. Because again, this takes a toll on your body. But if you're able to just like for a quick second, because Corona has basically made us where we have to relearn everything. We have to relearn the people that we know. We have to relearn, like, we're dealing with people in a very, very new environment. So I have just tried to be as cognizant as possible to just study the people that are close to me. Mm-hmm. Don't say nothing slick, but study the people around me and just try to be there for them as much as I can be while dealing with whatever it is that I'm dealing with internally. So um, I guess that's my realization in this period of Corona. What do you have? Um, it's more me. Um, I told you guys before at this point of time, I wear my mask, I wash my hands, but I can't stay away from people. I can't, I can't stop doing anything. But the one thing you taught me is there is a, a different way that things can go. So I've been on IG more. I've been connecting with people via more phone. I'm making sure to check on people more. I'm more cognizant of the fact that I don't talk a lot to some people or not and trying to keep in touch. But one thing is it also reminded me is who are my true friends? Yeah, you called me on some weird shit, though. I know. I, I didn't. I mean, it was weird the way your line of questioning was. But I knew where you were coming from. Yeah. But I, I still like it was one of those like because we don't do that. Like, I mean, you know, we clown a lot. But if you see us in our personal life, people think like y'all don't like each other. Yeah. But I, if you come in like, hey, uh, 
what's going like are you good yeah and i was like yeah why are you on my phone and you're like now nah, i'm checking in like i need to know how you're doing and how everything is going I, like i really appreciated that as much as we fuck around and shit like that but i really appreciate that you took the time to ask me like four very very specific questions mm-hmm. like you were not like hey i'm worried about you no you were like hey my man listen we're not about to do this you need to I need to know where your head is at because the way I, I pictured you asking those questions was if you if you know how they give you those like mm-hmm. multiple it's like if you say no to one of these questions it changes the whole dynamic mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. like alright so if you answer no to these questions I'm gonna be at your house and I'm gonna get you busy mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying so I really like from the bottom of my heart I would say that I appreciate you doing that for me because I've just been in a weird space since I've been back and I cannot I don't know how to overcome that you know what I'm saying? Like, I've been angry. I've been sad. I've been frustrated. I've been, you know, but in my position, the role that I play in most of the people around me's lives is I I tend to be the protector. Mm-hmm. So I just always automatically assume that nobody's going to protect me. So when you did that, I was like, oh, shit, man, like that's. Because, again, it wasn't like the normal, like, hey, what's going on? How can we help? It was, Tisu. you know what I mean? How are you doing? Like, what's up with you? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but it wasn't like, but you were not like, just like you use a roundabout way to get in touch. I don't know mm-hmm. how to explain it, but. That was a trip. Yeah, it was good. That's but sad. yeah, so uh, anything else you want to add to Corona Corner? No, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I cannot. Stop being in touch with people. Well, yeah, you're in the people business. So I work behind closed doors. It's not even that, you know. I just, you know. But you're doing you're doing a lot this time around. Like you're like you're doing a lot of like you really started Husmalia at the perfect time. Yeah, I want that was this is my outlet. This is my Did way. Did you know a pandemic was connect. coming? No, so but no, but I just I wanted to. This be, be, this be war, honest, Jack. You're no, 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 in no, spaces no. that I I kind of no, no, sketchy. no. But but here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I, this is a good thing that came out of the pandemic. Absolutely. No, right? absolutely. Absolutely. No, no. I, two, no I hands wanted up. I wanted to make sure that I'm. I'm you're okay. moving fast. That's fair. No, but honestly, like, um, I, I will commend you on who's Smellier. Like, that's that's uh, I was on live earlier watching one of your uh, one of the, the interviews you were doing, and you're doing a really good job with that. So, I do okay. Here we go on a good day. Are you done? I'm done. All right, uh, Corona Corner. Shout out to you. I'm not doing the jingle because that's Jack's corner, but <laughs> you know, all right, so. To the meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. We have a guest. You ready, Jack? We have a guest. So, uh, back again with us um, is, again, a dear friend of mine, uh, world traveler, archaeologist extraordinaire, anthropologist extraordinaire, uh, English teacher extraordinaire. Uh, did I say world traveler? I did, right? You All right, did. cool. Uh, we have Jennifer Michelle Smedra for the continuation of uh, reverse culturalism, which was the topic that we had last week. And we're basically trying to get perspective of 
you know, the, just trying to get into the mind of somebody who, you know, most of the time immigrants come from other countries into America, but she actually is American born and raised. And then she left and gallivanted around the world. And now she's back. So, uh, once again, I want to welcome you to a day in the life of an immigrant. Thanks for having me back. You want <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, so when we left off last week, um, we were talking about, we ended your trip in South America. So, uh, after South America, you being in Mexico and dabbling in Guatemala and all those and Belize and everywhere else and, you know, going to, you know, having situations with your university situation and all that. Um, where did your journey take you after that? Well, after I had that whole nasty ending in Belize, I decided that I needed some time just to collect myself. And I took this eight-week backpack trip, so I actually worked my way from south to north and got myself back to Nebraska after about eight weeks. Uh-huh. So I went from the Playa del Carmen area by bus, spent my time going through the mountains all the way up to Mexico City, spent some time with my family. Uh-huh. Then I decided to take another six months and travel across Europe. Okay. Why? I've never been. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's simple Adventure. as that. Hobby. Adventure, okay. I don't know. I had itchy feet. I just felt the need to keep going. Okay, good. At this point, I had an online job that was kind of paying the bills. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I started in Amsterdam and spent six months backpacking across Europe to Istanbul. Okay. So, which, which uh, did you do the Western block or the Eastern block? Oh, no. I went through the Eastern block because I ran out of money after about two weeks in Amsterdam. All right. So how was Amsterdam? Amsterdam, I blew a quarter of my budget in two weeks. So on what? Major all the fun. I Red love, light I district. Love, yeah, I love wait. it. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 what? Yeah, red light, green light. No, I'm just kidding. No, red, red light district. If oh, you, no, no. if you never, there's a whole thing about the lights. In yeah, you know that's If a whole you, if you, if you never been to Amsterdam, <clears throat> here, here is how here is how I put Amsterdam. I don't like how you cleared your throat. Yeah, yeah uh, I have to clear my throat because uh, every time I talk about Amsterdam, my uh, I kind of I get the the uh, wet, uh, the kind of the sweaty fingers because Amsterdam kind of took what I call my uh, my innocence. Okay, you know, I, I was uh, I went to Amsterdam when I was working in Canada on a job site. Uh, and uh, I was there for about, I was there, I was three and a half hours away from po- population. I was the only black guy in that small town. It's called Pointe du Bois, Manitoba. We were working in the middle of dead winter and Canadian. You, oh, I think I heard this story. And Canadian winters. A whole different story. Oh, yeah. no, I've heard about that. And we worked 13 hour days, seven days a week, but you work 10 days on and you take four days off. Okay. So. Uh, I, I wasn't taking any days off, so I had about I had about I had fifteen days of vacation. So um, the flight from Manitoba, Canada, to Europe were actually really cheap at that time, was six hundred dollars. So I spent five days in Amsterdam mm-hmm. and came back here to spend time with my daughter. But Amsterdam kind of reminded me that. The things that I've learned in America that I put so taboo, 
all of a sudden are no longer that. So if you really want to take away what I like to call your mental block, that virginity of how you see black as, and white. As, are you saying as an immigrant? No, or just, just as, as an American. Okay. You need to visit Amsterdam, but don't just go for the whole one day thing, uh, stop at a cafe to do what the cafes do and just leave. You need to be there for at least. Did you, sh- did you shoot heroin while you were there? You know what? Why are you asking me these questions? <laughs> they all have I'm, a heroin park. All I'm telling you is like, you need to be there uh, for first five days. You need days. to understand that Amsterdam is most of the stuff is actually illegal. It's illegal. Yeah, that's, wait, that was wait, the craziest wait, thing. Wait, hold on, hold on. I, I thought when I was going that I'm gonna have a good time. I mean, you can still find stuff on the street, but you do need. But you it, need but to look for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's the craziest thing. People think you can go and have a good time, but they're quite conservative in their way of living. Well, that's, that's weird. What I thought but, was interesting too is most Dutch people. This is. This was the dichotomy of that trip because my partner's sister was going to school there. Uh-huh. So we spent about 12 days in Amsterdam uh-huh. and then we went to this small town on the northern coast called Groningen uh-huh. and it was dead. Uh-huh. This whole town is just a university town and all the students had left. Uh-huh. So we were doing an Airbnb where we were staying with this woman who was in her 60s. She was taking daily trips to the refugee camps uh-huh. and we got to see daily life. Uh-huh. And most Dutch people don't partake in that lifestyle. It's mostly the tourists. <laughs> tourists. Yeah. And the funny thing is, even tourists, you know, of course, Amsterdam prostitution is somewhat legal. Not not totally, somewhat. I mean, in New Zealand, prostitution is legal, but like Amsterdam is quite conservative in their way. So what's the red light district then? It, it's, think about... Uh, 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 my apologies. <laughs> Go on. Think about a more fun Vegas. Wait, what? Yeah, a much more fun Vegas. Smaller, but more fun Vegas. Mm-hmm. That was my first day in Amsterdam. I actually did one of those free walking tours mm-hmm. where they had a red light district walking mm-hmm. tour. So we got to see, yeah, there's all the women who are standing in the windows. In the they windows. explain how the lights work for yeah. us. They took us to the dispensaries. They mm-hmm. took us to all the little stores. They took us to the first peep show mm-hmm. that had ever been established in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. They took us to the church built in the 1200s that was where Wasn't you go beautiful. to get your... Huh? Wasn't that beautiful? It was gorgeous. And oh then there's God. all these red lights around it. So you stumble out the door. You go get your reconciliation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, you're good to go. Yep. So there's so much culture and so much history. Also meeting modernization in such a small square area. Area. We ended up at this museum. It was called the Museum of Sex. Yes. Mm. And it was just the history of prostitution, how it became legal, where the women come from. And that's the the reason. And that's the reason. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It takes away your... Because Amsterdam reminded me that when people say, oh, it's just sex, right? It's truly just sex. Because the definition of what, you know, at least the American culture makers believe that sex is related to so many levels of things. Yes, it is what you make it. But at the end of it, the physiological thing and biological things is just one penis and one vagina just intermingling. I, I, I don't know what's happening here. So that's Amsterdam. There was one night I literally sat on the canal just watching the crowds and watching the windows to see how the business worked. Mm-hmm. But... Like I said, it was a whole different world. The red light district of Amsterdam compared to the rest of it. There's so much, there's so many museums. There's so much 
natural beauty took place. Yep. So we got out of there and realized that our budget had been blown. Money, money goes fast in Amsterdam. Just even on food. Wow. But, but it's because truly it's a tourist town. How many planes stop in Amsterdam? I mean, so many. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. well. Schiphol is one of the busiest uh, airports yes. in Europe. Yeah, no. I mean, I think when I was leaving Africa, like, I came through, uh, wait, what was it before? It's called the Netherlands now, but it was, uh, what was the former name? Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, Holland. Holland, correct. <laughs> yeah, so it's called uh, the Netherlands. That's, yeah, it's, it's called Netherlands because it used to be called Holland. <laughs> but that's where like we came in, and then I flew to America for the first time. So neither here nor there. So after, so you did twelve days in in Netherlands. Uh, I did about three weeks in Netherlands, okay. and then we started realizing how broke we were. Mm-hmm. And how old were you at that time? Twenty-seven. Okay. So and not very young. You know, you were semi-mature. And I'd been well-traveled by that point. I yeah. knew what I was doing. Um, at that point, though, we decided to save money that we jumped on these ride chairs where you buy someone's seat in their car. Mm-hmm. So we traveled from Amsterdam and Groningen to Germany. Mm-hmm. And I spent about another two weeks in Germany. Just, you know. Doing How was Germany? I love Germany. Berman. Which part of Germany were you? Uh, we stopped in Bremen for a day and then we went to Berlin for a week. Okay. Which for me, I'm a history major. World War II is a huge point mm-hmm. of my focus. So did all the sites, saw the things. What, what did the right share teach you about the way of life in Europe? <laughs> I know where this question is going, but go ahead. The right share taught me just how frugal people are, and that everything is for sale, including a seat in your car. Correct. I mean, I didn't have any problems with it. One because I was traveling with somebody. To the driver was female, and this is also that's what, interesting. This is not a new concept. I can get to that later when I talk about Taiwan and the female only passenger no, cars. But mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, coming from a rideshare, like we we had Uber way before yeah. Uber was a concept in America, where mm-hmm. a dude just literally pulls out of his car with his Peugeot five hundred four eighty four and just stops the car, and people are standing there. It's like, well, now they go, like they go so and so, and that's the beginning of his trip. Where I stop here, you know, you knock on the uh, where you knock on like the, the I got dropped, you mm-hmm. know, you like knock on like either the the dashboard or you knock you on the door, the yeah, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then you get let out, and then is then he gets to that destination, and then it's like all right, he whips a UE and says where well, did they go, and then it's like a whole nother you know dimension. So you did hitchhike. No, it wasn't no, but, but that was our taxi. That was our right? taxi. Yeah, that's how it was in Belize. Correct. But this was different because this was. But, but what she's pickup. talking about, the reason why I ask her that question, this question particularly, is comparatively to American life, right? Because in American life, you saying you got into a stranger's car, right? Doesn't care if it's a man or a woman. Yeah, it's still people. You say, you say I'm going to, I'm going to uh, Des Moines, right? I'm going to Des Moines, and we gonna. You know, we backpacking through the Midwest and it's like, oh, you know, I'm buying this seat here for twenty dollars right. to take me from Omaha to Des Moines. And if you tell that story to an American, be like, no, like, don't do that. It depends how you present it, though, because there are other websites like this that I use, for example, Couchsurfing, mm-hmm. where I will go and I've stayed with strangers based on 
the conversations that we've had. It's a social media website where people vouch I know, for I know you. Kind of yeah, you build a reputation. It's the same thing with the rideshare. You're saying this very commonly. That's what I'm it's trying to tell common. you. I'm trying because to tell you I'm that. I'm telling you, I would never couch surf. Contrarily, I have actually met a lot of couch surfer. A friend of mine. A lot of couch surfers. Yes, a, a friend of mine, Christelle, Christelle Lina guy is from is from Cameroon, and she actually is the president of the. Of, uh, no, 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 no. Stop making jokes. What? She, she's a, she, she actually uh, does. Uh, she's uh, was the president of a uh, of the um, student exchange program for all the universities of Iowa, all the Iowa universities. So she actually traveled all around the world to do the exam for the high schoolers that are going to be exchange student coming here. And they, the, so the during her journey, she realized that some of these people coming as a state student need a family or a couch to stay just to go to school. Oh, and okay. as those families are coming in, mm-hmm. you've realized that they don't have any money. They barely have enough to just come and study because their family just want them to have a different education. Mm-hmm. So hence the couch surfer network where people are volunteering their couch or for a small fee that, hey, you can come stay in my room or you can literally. One day I came to Christelle's house and there was five strangers in her one bedroom apartment. Okay. Well, and each on single one of them. Of yes. Too, yes. Where I've had people who had absolutely nothing who hosted me. Yes. I was going through Mexico. I stayed with this girl. She says, oh, my cousins are coming in. They're starting class on Monday. We have three beds and six people. Mm-hmm. Are you comfortable sharing a twin size? Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. Isn't it weird that when our parents were sending us to college, they just gave us school fees and then think about the tuition yes. situation? But but again, uh, mine didn't. Correct. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the, the concept. The concept I'm trying to bring awareness to the people here mm-hmm. is that us immigrants may not be foreign to share a room with three people. Yes. Right. Yes. But when you American, you listen to this podcast podcast around. You're like, what do you mean? I have to be in a room with yeah. six people. Mm-hmm. And is no big deal. Right. The concept of what you know you talking about here is when you expose yourself to the word, I want to travel, you have to be okay being very uncomfortable situations, being a female as well, right? I mean, you are my sister. I, I will be worried, but me understanding that yes, cow surfing is a thing, right? I know people that travel through the world and they never knew what a hotel looked like. Mm-hmm. And couch surfing, believe it or not, can be quite rewarding. It's f- been fantastic. Yeah. No, hold on. What if they I have bed bugs? I would, I would tell you. I would tell Bring you. I would, I, I would tell you. I would tell you this crazy story. So this girl, this girl was couch surfing in here in Nebraska. Right. Craziest thing is, she was couch surfing. And when she came, she is um, she came from Turkey, I believe, extent student. And the craziest thing is when she came, you know, she count every dollar, like the money she was given. So in our mind, this person was very poor and we needed to protect her and do that. So mind you now, a friend of ours stopped by Istanbul, right, because they were going to actually a project in Europe and she kept they kept contact and you make the, the most amazing friends actually kept contact and she get to the airport it's like well, i'm here tell me why this long ass limo 
pulls to pick her up and there's this girl and mm. the girl I'm talking about, <clears throat> no Muslim, quite religious, but she's in this limo waving at her and she's like, is that, is that her? And for a second there, she's looking at double take. Here's a chauffeur walk out, open the door, get her in, get her luggage in. And she's like, it took probably about like an hour away from the, from where they are. And they literally, this big old mansion. And the, the person that was a couch surfer now have this big old place and they literally have guest quarters. Room, for food, uh, 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 like a maid in that area just for her. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that day it changed like 100% her view of people because this girl, the only reason her parents would let her come and stay is because they want her to stay with someone from the school that had authority that they've known before and also a woman, but preferably married and Muslim. And that just changed everything. But it's, it's also rewarding too. You helping people that you never know what change they're gonna make in your life. Not just that, but you're exposing yourself to new com- cultures, Culture. new people. It's funny that you mentioned Turkey because that was probably the place where I had the strangest couchsurfing experience. I had linked up with somebody. We'd been talking for a few weeks, vetted him out. He said that he had reserved an apartment specifically for couch surfers. So we get there, not expecting too much. It's a very modest apartment. Mm-hmm. This guy picks us up in a brand new Lexus. Mm-hmm. Picks us up from the bus station, takes us to his house, gets us comfortable, and then he leaves. Because apparently he's still living at the mansion with his parents and mm-hmm. his family, but he has this weekend abode to host travelers. Mm-hmm. When he came to pick us up the next day, it was a Mercedes. <laughs> he takes us out to the waterfront. He pays for this massive meal, introduces us to all the local liquor, all the local drinking customs mm-hmm. that are kind of under the tables, since you know it's a Muslim country. Next day, he shows up and he's got a BMW. So I, we realize that we've kind of hit the jackpot uh-huh, on couch uh-huh, surfing here. Uh-huh. And he'd mentioned that his family had owned a trucking company. We didn't think too much of it. Uh-huh. So our last day in Izmir. He drives us to the bus station so we can hop to Istanbul. And he just points out, he's like, oh, that's my family's shipping company over there. I look over, this is a fleet of like 50 trucks. <laughs> and I'm just, it has blown me away of how humble he was, how hospitable he was. And this was not even a point of conversation until I'm 30 minutes away from the airport or from the bus station. Wow. So That's it's just, crazy. you never know who you're going to meet. You never know who's going to welcome you into their home. Yeah. I mean, so I, that, I, want, I wanted you to talk mansions. about that. Yeah. I want, I wanted you to talk about that because I, I, I want to bring awareness to the fact that open yourself to the world. You'll be surprised. Good, bad, or ugly. You'll be surprised what you find. That's why you've been on this, on, on now podcast is very, is, is exciting to me because if nothing else, I want people not to be afraid of the world outside of America. You will be surprised. Don't believe what the news always tells. But they don't even believe the stories their friends tell. They don't even believe the stories that they hear on the news. So that's well, just it, is you don't know what to believe. You don't know where to start. It's but, getting over that fear. But that's the thing is, you know, again, we're fortunate, all three of us in this room, are fortunate that, like, we just kind of said, fuck it at one point. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, I left Nigeria at 18. Jack left his gracious country at 18. 
and you left what was the earliest i was 20, uh, 22 when i moved away mm-hmm. yeah so again it's like i met a dude in college once he said i would never leave the shores of the united states and i looked at him <laughs> and i said we can't be friends uh-huh. because you don't even understand like that's that bold statement you just made you don't even understand how much you just kind of pigeonholed yourself to such comfortability uh-huh. that you have lived like you're based like America's this big in the uh-huh. world uh-huh. like fam what so let's go let's go let's go tell us more after 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 so, 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 after Amsterdam so, 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 so what I'm saying is like be open to experiences and and shout out to one of my guys uh, Rob Castle he he got married recently shout out to you Rob um, but Rob married a traveler uh-huh. like his wife is just hopping a plane and go and next thing you know he's just like dude I'm in Jordan I'm like yeah you married a traveler so uh-huh. sorry you know what I'm saying and not to put you out there like that Rob but much respect to you I love you guys but it was like he just his worldview just started expanding at that point. So sometimes it takes initiative by when you run into somebody that like will just pull you along for their journey because they're on they're unwilling to compromise to accommodate you. Uh-huh. But also it's like okay, if we if we're with it, we're with it. Like are you fucking with it? Like uh-huh. with me, it's like if you, I my dating requirement. Do you own a passport? <laughs> It's it's in my list. Do you own a passport? No. Have you ever left the shores of America? Thought about it. Have you though? Well, no. That's gonna be a point of contention if this is gonna proceed. But even if, but I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna write you off because you've never been. But are you willing? Is the question. You know what I'm saying? Because most people are like I would never go there. Like. I used to know a group of people that like they were like. I'll be honest with you. What? I don't know why you're trying to be politically correct. I'll never that. date a woman that did not travel outside of America. It's clear. Good for you. I will now I'm, I'm finish my I'm, story. I'm 100. I'm 100 that. So, had a group of people that uh, they wanted to go to Europe, and they're like, "Have you seen the movie Hostel?" I was like, "Wait, what?" Hostel is your base point for not leaving the United States to go to Europe. Yeah, man, they be kidnapped. I'm like, dude, you have a better chance getting kidnapped in my home country with me than you do in like Europe. They still have like, well. I was more afraid in places like Belize and Guatemala than I was traveling through the Eastern Bloc, through Serbia and Mm -hmm. Macedonia. And all the movies we've seen about Serbia and Macedonia, they would have the girls for prostitution. And then some That's a very bad and the drugs and shit. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so after Amsterdam and the Eastern Bloc and Turkey, where did your voyage take you next? Well, by the time I got to Turkey, I was about $10,000 in the hole. Okay. So I needed to find a way to Debt start life. making money, right? So you said a stripping? No, I'm kidding. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, only, sorry, right? sorry. No, I started looking to teaching, actually. Went the okay. other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that I had started to realize... Wait, you say the other way like it's one or the other. Was that what I just? What those the only two? Can you let her finish? I'm trying to ask questions. <laughs> okay, I was making Go ahead. My bad. My bad. My bad. But after all my travels mm-hmm. and meeting people who come from such a diverse background mm-hmm. and seeing all the problems of Belize, Mexico, U.S., Europe, the one thing that I realized that would have the greatest impact is to teach. 
to start teaching the next generation and passing on the knowledge that I've gained, the experiences I've had, and also my language to open up the world to the rest of them so that they might have the same experiences I did. Okay. So when I was in Turkey, I started interviewing for ESL jobs. Mm -hmm. Since I've already done it, had the background, had the degree, uh, we were taking interviews from different countries and ended up landing in Taiwan. Okay. Wow. That's, you know, we did our negotiations. So so is it through through an an agency that you did this or is it just applying for people that are cheap? I just posted my resume. I put it on one of those job sites for ESL teachers Mm -hmm. and waited for people to contact me. Uh, If there was a particular job that stood out to me, I would reach out to them. Mm -hmm. I would set up Skype interviews. I probably went through about 10 different interviews before I chose the job that seemed right for me. Okay. What Uh, made you choose that one? Well, uh, first, my partner and I had an agreement at the time where we would every year reassess our situation and choose a new country. Okay. That was the plan, was to jump countries every year. You keep saying partner. How did you find that partner? This was my ex-fiance. Okay. So, like, we were together traveling. At this point, we decided that the next uh, country that fit both of our needs was Taiwan. Okay. So, we chose the job that I had because, one, it had good proximity to Taipei. Mm-hmm. He wanted to live in a big city. I did not. Okay. Uh, it had a good paying salary. It had benefits and a free place to live. So at what point, like throughout this whole thing, there was not one time where you were like, I'm 10 grand in the hole, I'm coming home? Absolutely not. Who's going to pay that 10 grand back? My family's not going to. Yeah, but there's still the aspect of comfortability where you can come home, live at home for free, because that's what happens when like, you know, Jack and I don't have that privilege. If we don't make it here, we're fucked. You have the ability, like, I can go fuck off. In the, like, you're like the prodigal son or daughter in this case, right? Is you can leave the world. You can go play in the world. But if shit hits the fan, you know there's a family home somewhere you can come back to. We can't go back because you get to the door. Hey, hey, my friend, where, where are you going? Are you on vacation or what? Like, you know what I mean? So I would think that when you're like, okay, at about eight thousand five hundred in the hole you're like i i can go back to america with my college degree get a decent job and pay this off in a year i could have done that first off i was still working Mm -hmm. so that had mitigated the level of debt that i'd had Mm -hmm. i was riding along the way and i realized that first of all if i'm backpacking i'm going to go into debt i had already budgeted for that knowing that i had to work for a year in asia where they're offering forty fifty thousand uh, U.S. dollars right off the bat. So I knew I could have gone to work in China, Japan, Korea, Taiwan, mm-hmm. and paid that off in six months. That was never a concern for me. Wow, bullshit. Well, I mean, I put all the time in for the education, the experience. These are the jobs that I'm looking for now. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, Coming back to the U.S., just, if I'm looking for yeah. the same jobs, mm-hmm. my starting salary offer that they offered me here in the public school system was $22,000. That's dope. Right. I'm kidding. I can make more at McDonald's. I'm kidding. So that was my main reason for continuing on the route that I did. Okay. That's fair. So. And, and, you know, I don't ask for help. I will never ask for handouts or my parents to pick up my tabs or clean up my messes. So that was what kept pushing me as well. Okay. Respectful. So, so you get to Asia, you get to Taiwan. Um, 
So did you you landed the job before you got there? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you got there. How okay? You get to Taoyuan, right? Yeah. Okay, so then how did you cultivate a community there to where you're not did the did the school like set up the whole apartment situation for you guys or yeah, they had you- a place set up for me that was one of the big draws for me okay. was the fact that they had a free apartment mm-hmm. ready to go. Okay. So they sent someone, they sent a driver to the airport, oh, they picked us up, took yeah. us back to the airport. What type of job is no. this? Teaching English, son. Teaching like, we English. need to go to Af- we need to go to Taiwan. I'm telling you, they roll out the red carpet for okay. you. Okay. Is so it they- just for the whites? No. I have many... Negro friends? Yes. I have black American <laughs> friends who are teaching in Taiwan right now. It, I'm not going to lie. There is a lot of prejudice. It's like, oh, like... <laughs> There's a lot of prejudice. <laughs> Jack, yo. <laughs> keep keep on, going. Keep serious, serious, man. Keep no, on, no, on, keep going. No, go ahead, go ahead. No, um, in the six years that I lived in Taiwan, mm. I would say that I probably worked with about five black American teachers. Mm. They were hired based on their credentials. Mm. They were very well-spoken. They had excellent education, excellent credentials. They were great teachers. Mm. So it's not that they're opposed to it, but there is a lot of hidden racism across Asia. Mm-hmm. So one of the questions they'll ask you is, can you send us your passport photo? No. And that's how they make their first initial interview assessments. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the wrong color, you got the wrong passport, nah, we'll pass. Interesting. So I guess I had the right passport, I had the right look, so they took me in, they gave me the interview, they mm-hmm. hired me over Skype, set me up when I got there. But it's funny you asked that question because my partner at the time was, he's an immigrant as well. He's from Belize. Okay. So he's dark skinned. They went through this. They'd offered to give him an interview and then he landed and they reversed that decision. And then he spent the next year trying to try, trying to find a job and was rejected again and again. That's crazy because of the color of his skin. Well, it was never outright given as the reason for it. Of course. He was just not a great cultural fit. Well, and it was also the kinds of jobs he was going for, too. Mm. So it was a combination of factors. No, I'm just using that as, like, corporate jargon when they Mm. just say, hey, you're a little high-strung and we don't want to fuck with you. They just go, we just don't see you as a cultural fit. You're not a good fit. Yeah, and it's like, what's a fit? It's like, everybody here is vanilla. But anyway. So, So, what was, in your experience... Um, so this is a twofold question as a teacher what was your favorite thing to do in like as a teacher like what was your favorite aspect of teaching abroad and B living in Asia what do you think the pros or the perks of it were or the pros and cons were as a teacher the greatest benefit that I've had living in Taiwan is this idea of Confucianism where okay. education is one of the pillars of society. Okay. And they treat teachers with the utmost respect. Mm. It is one of the highest paying jobs. It is one of the most well-respected jobs right up there with lawyer and doctor, engineer. Okay. Wow. So we are in the next caliber. Uh, you wouldn't have thought that about teaching. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Right. No, that's what I'm saying. Like The way know, they treat teachers. Not America, just that, America, but also yeah. how the kids behave. Right. They, huh? it, there's times I felt like I was walking through a prison. Because these kids are so silent, they have their desks perfectly ordered. Everything is so structured and so disciplined. Mm-hmm. It's like walking through an army barracks. 
Yeah, me and Jack have experience in that. But oh, go on, get your well. ass beat. <laughs> I've seen teachers take those steel rulers to kids' hands still mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. You know, corporal punishment is not frowned just, upon. Just look up picking pin. Picking you, pin? You know, that you've been pick pin before? <laughs> Where pick pin, right, is a punishment. I don't know who thought about this <laughs> vicious and cruel treatment. It's actually white people. Fair enough. It's called, called, called it's picking it's, pin. It's colonization. It's where you take this one finger, right? It's like doing the deadlift, but you just stay in the deadlift position. Mm-hmm. You yeah. take the finger, you put it to the ground. Your one foot goes up in oh, the, the air, side. and you balance on one foot. On one foot. That's so funny because in Taiwan they do the same thing, except they make you stand. Yeah. They will make you stand in one in- position. At your desk. Yeah. The entire day. Yeah. But not only is it tiring, but in Asian culture, one of the biggest things that is punishment for you is the loss of face. When you lose face and you are shamed. embarrassed. You're and shamed and publicly embarrassed. Shamed. Yep. <laughs> Embarrassment. You, uh, wait, have you? Oh, you've listened to our previous. I mean, this is basically our lifestyle, our life in a, in a nutshell. You're, where you're ashamed. You, you, if you disrespect the family name, mm-hmm. that becomes an issue because you Im- publicly embarrassed the your family. family. But now it's not about the family name. It's about embarrassing your teacher mm-hmm. because they put that emphasis on education. Got you, got you. So coming into an environment where teaching is so well-revered mm-hmm. was a huge draw mm-hmm. as opposed to going to a country like, you know, Thailand, where it's very much tourist-based. Mm-hmm. The salaries were half the price, and Taiwan just had better living conditions all around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. High salary, low standard of living. Mm-hmm. And you can visit Thailand anytime. Exactly. I mean, I can. I jumped a <laughs> yeah, flight I like to Thailand said for fifty dollars. Yes, traveling in Eastern Asia is the cheapest it's thing you can. Dirty. Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, like, I, I literally I, bought a round trip ticket to Vietnam for one hundred and fifteen dollars. Correct. Dang. So using yeah, Taiwan this, as a hub. We could do too. this podcast somewhere else. We should yes. Move. Okay. Fair I think it's podcast anywhere. That's like you know, it's a beautiful part of it. Yeah. So so okay so being in that environment was it was it a difficult transition for you going from like again your American individualistic viewpoint to this very Confucius uh, Confucianism social democratic where it takes they they believe in the whole it takes a village on every level. My background is a little different than most Americans though because that's the way I was raised. Like, I, I live in a huge. I live in an intergenerational home already. So right now we have three generations living in the same house. Mm-hmm. So there's already that concept of mm-hmm. you build together, you work together. Got you, got you. Then coming through Europe and traveling from Belize, Mexico, I've already been very far removed from my culture. Mhm and forced to be a fish out of water for a long time. Mm. So I know what it feels like to be an outsider and how to adjust. Okay. But the hardest part for me with Taiwan was the language gap. Mm. That language barrier was almost impossible for me to cross because I had no exposure to Chinese before I went there. I thought they spoke mm. Taiwanese there. They do speak Taiwanese. Oh, that there is a Taiwanese. Taiwanese is a spoken, not written language. And mm. then Mandarin is the official language of language the country. Language of the country, mm. okay. And then there's a lot of Japanese and a lot of English as well, mm-hmm. depending on which city that you're in. Okay. But for me, day one, that was a really hard contrast. Just even getting around, finding out where to buy my food, where mm-hmm. to wash my clothes, mm-hmm. 
at that point we had a Wait, they didn't give you laundry when you went went there like i showed up and they said here's your room and i had a box to sleep on like a wooden box wait what mm-hmm. yeah they don't use mattresses they use the bamboo mats so my bed was literally a raised wooden box with a bamboo mat rolled out on it. And they said, here you go. I have questions. No. What? <laughs> okay. Okay, dude. Were you acting as if? No, no, no. no. <laughs> don't do that, man. We're what do you mean don't now? do that? I, look, I'm what? asking for the perspective. Hold on. No. I know what you're saying. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> what he's doing right now. Is he's acting light skinned right? Wait, whoa, 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 whoa! I'm not light skinned. Yeah, you, you acting light skinned. Okay, fair enough. I'm just saying that because I'm he fascinated. Is, mm, <laughs> it's still immigrant culture. L- let me tell you here. <laughs> you see those bamboo knots that you're talking about? Mm-hmm. We have those. When you come, depending on the level of the family that you are, ain't no bad for you. We rolled them nuts. We put it. You, you even say on a wooden box. Mm-hmm. Elevator. Just, no. You put we it on a mat floor. on the floor. The best thing we can give you is a blanket. Yeah. Because mosquitoes. No, a wrapper. Yeah. Yeah, it's a wrapper. It's a wrapper. I didn't have blankets. I got the bed. But, but we I got mosquitoes. Had. We had mosquitoes too. They will, they will destroy you. So they will, like, they will, they yeah. will give well, you. The worst thing about the Taiwanese mosquitoes is they don't die in the cold. They survive like below 50 degrees. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Cold. yeah. We didn't have cold. We didn't have cold. But we also had Anopheles, which is, I mean, Africa is known for malaria, so, you know. Well, yeah. after I had to deal with malaria and Belize and oh, that's fair. the medication there as well. So you, you, you're immune now. <laughs> so, anyway, proceed, sorry. But yeah, you know, so I... So you had your wooden box? I arrived. They set me up with my wooden box and set me up with my job, my training, I just slid into that life. But the one person who really facilitated my cultural introduction was my roommate. Mm. He had the apartment that they had set up for us. I was in the nice apartment. It was a three bedroom apartment that had been divided down into five. Mm. So it was tiny shoeboxes. The kitchen or something? The kitchen was the only communal space. The living room had been disappeared. Okay. And everybody had their own little corner to retreat to. Mm-hmm. The other option was to go live you guys, in that, the You didn't have a commons, though? We had the living room and the kitchen. But if the kitchen was divvied off... No, the no. apartment was divvied Divid off. Divvied off. The mm. living room was divvied off. And this was a nice apartment. They also had a dorm, which they converted classrooms into, like, little box rooms for you. And inside your little room, you'd have your box with your bamboo mat, Mm -hmm. a desk, and a hanging rack for your clothes. Mm -hmm. That's it. The room is maybe eight by eight if you're lucky. So with that, let me ask you this. In comparison to our lifestyle here in America, right, where it's the the higher in stature you get, air quotes, the bigger. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you start off with a, a, a Corsica, right? Chevy Corsica, whatever, and then you get thirteen dollars an hour, and then you get a Honda type shit, and then you get then you buy a BMW, then a Mercedes, the F two fifty, and then you buy go from like a four fifty an hour. You keep upgrading. Yeah, you mm-hmm. keep. Thank you. So, was that difficult to transition into because of like again, the higher we get in stature, quote unquote, like we tend to go bigger. Not really, because after living out of a backpack for six months, like Mm. everything I own 
fit on my back. So, so basically, like you're saying that everything, like your whole experience was revving up to this moment. Like this was the, the, the peak of everything. This was the end goal. After all the traveling that I'd mm-hmm. done, mm-hmm. this is where I knew I was going to end up. Mm-hmm. So at this point, it was it wasn't like it was revving up to the peak of my travels. It was more like I can finally breathe. Right. It's like after Thanksgiving Drop dinner where you can Unbutton. unbuckle your yeah, belt. Yeah, you can breathe. It's like, oh, okay, I have a place to stay. Mm-hmm. I have no bills. Mm-hmm. I have a no roof oven. over my head and food on my plate. And I have money coming in. And no oven. Well, go ahead. And no what? No, no oven. oven. <laughs> He's foolish. That He's... had an oven. Oh. That apartment had an oven. I just thought there were no ovens in Taiwan. But. No, you can find them. It's just most kitchens only come with a stove top or like the hot plate. Gotcha, gotcha. You have to pay extra for the real oven. Gotcha. Okay, so proceed. So um, so then, I guess, what was the best part about living in Asia as a an American white, as a, as a white person in America, from America? I don't know how to say this shit today. At that point, I was ready to leave within three weeks. I had I had a really rough transition. Um, I was looking at one. I had a really difficult time picking up the language, which Mm -hmm. was new for me. Mm -hmm. I had a horrible time communicating and I had no money. And at this point, I was supporting two people because my partner was having a hard time finding a job. Mm. So we're living off of my salary, which put extra strain on the relationship. Mm -hmm. In addition to me trying to navigate a new cultural environment that I'd never been in before. Okay. That I was not suited to just jump into. Mm-hmm. Okay. So overcoming all of that at the same time has a huge toll on your mental health. Mm-hmm. It isolates you. And the one thing that my employers really focused on was almost keeping you isolated. Mm-hmm. They don't want you to speak. In, they don't want you to speak Chinese in the classroom. They don't want you really interacting with your co-teachers outside of the workspace. So your social interactions are limited to the other foreigners who are living and working in proximity to Mm -hmm. you. That's weird. It was very strange. So they literally force you into exclusion? Not that they force it, but they... I mean, they they corral you, basically. Mm -hmm. It was a bit of corralling. I mean, it was never blatant. Right. But, but it was I'm one saying of those if things, you can't, like your you, life needs to revolve around this job. You right. need to be here at these hours, you need to talk to these people, and you need to be planning and using your free time during the six months that they offer the training. Mm-hmm. So you're giving up your free time to go in and do job training as well. Right, right. So, but what I'm saying is you coming from, okay, I'm coming into a new space, I have to learn all these things. You would think that it would behoove them to say, okay, let's open up all the floodgates, right? You're going to take in all this culture to the face, pause, and then you're going to, um, you're, because the easiest way is you learn as you go, right? But you're picking up, you're picking up, like if you're interacting with, let's say your co-teacher or something like that, and it's like, okay, like I remember going to Saudi Arabia and my driver was Hausa, which we spoke Hausa together, but because I was black, let me see if, yeah, I can say it. Saudis don't really rate black people. You know what I'm saying? So it was difficult for me to be, you know, to be open and free in that type of environment. Now, what my guide is, he took me to places where he spoke Arabic and I just picked, I pick it back off of his information. I mean, obviously I had the privilege of being a man as well, but it was always like, okay, we're in this place. He says something. I go, well, then he's saved in Hausa. And I'm like, okay, this is what you're saying. And then 
we would, you know, I was, I said it picking up slowly, but surely. So I would think that, you know, when you're bringing somebody into that space, granted, this was my guy that did this for you being that they hired you from a foreign country and you were coming in there, they would say, okay, let us ensure that you have all the tools necessary for you to make this experience like the best of the best. You would think so. Right. But it was a total 180 from my first ESL job where they were giving me Spanish instruction for free on the job mm -hmm. if I chose to take it. Right. On this one, they were actually discouraging it. I had looked into taking a Chinese class and it had interfered with my training schedule. Mm -hmm. So they told me that if I took the class, I would lose my job. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. So it was a little they bit... They want you to be better. Well, it was just more like, okay, these are your requirements and these are your free hours. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you can't be here at this time, it's very black and white. This is what we hired you to do. You do it. But and then anything like else... So anything else you things. do with your time is whatever? Is, is That's your time? Fuck Mostly. off? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, Jack, do you have any questions that you want to ask? No. Because... So what they, what they want you to do is... Being a teacher, just teach and live every day like a teacher. I think it was more like they want to keep you pure. Like, mm. you are an English speaker. You just came from an English-speaking country. We want to preserve you. Correct. And we want Don't to get present corrupted. you You're not a relic. Right? Or like some sort of fucking artifact. But, but they don't want you to get corrupted. Yeah, and they think that if you break this full immersion environment that they've created... Well, all of a sudden you're going to become Taiwanese or some shit? I think it's more that the kids are going to become lazy and they're going to start, oh, our kid or our teacher speaks Chinese, so I can just say whatever I want. And I they'll want understand so they me. will understand me. But if they really don't understand what they have to say, Yo, that's an ass backward ass system, if I'm being honest. No, that's not true. I understand where they're coming no, from. No, I understand. Listen to what I'm saying when I say it's a, because, again, I want, being a human being I want like okay imagine you go to Nigeria right today and all of a sudden somebody goes you know Blondie what you to do you know what I'm saying like well I know what you're saying because I kind of speak Creole and shit like that we speak pigeon but again it's we are quick to teach you the native like you pick you up on the, the colloquial yeah we pull you into the culture yes you can still keep whoever the fuck you are, but just so you can navigate the streets, you need to know X, Y, Z. When you hear this, you can run. If you hear this, you stay. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I just don't understand why they would make a distinction to be like, oh, we're going to keep you pure, but you're going to like, it's almost like, oh, you basically hop on a plane, land in the class, teach English and then fuck off. They did set up other systems in place where, like, for example, when I had to go do my health check or go do my permit paperwork, mm -hmm. they would send someone with me who could help me translate and help me navigate the but, bus system. But still, that's that's not that's you have a chaperone. You don't have uh, some. Well, from my perspective, let me I mean, your experience would have been different from mine. But what I'm saying is just the limitations that we set just feels as though they were not giving you more ability, freedom. yeah, freedom. freedom to just move how you wanted to move. Yes and no. I also understand the perspective that they assume that most Americans who come over have no language skills. They have no outside experience. 
most of the teachers who go to Taiwan are fresh out of college. Mm. So they're 22, 23 years old. Okay. As opposed to me at this point when I'm 28, mm -hmm. walking into this environment, having experience. Mm -hmm. So did, did the, uh, the other people from other countries, did they have the same experience, whether be them of Caucasian descent or of... I have met other? all kinds of crazy people in this job field. I have met people who have been fresh out of college with trust funds. Mm -hmm. I have met, there is. I was about to say a lot of people that do this come from richer family. I met someone well, who had grown up in family. Yunnan province in Western China, then moved to Afghanistan, spoke free, like fluent Chinese and English, came to Taiwan, and this is a white dude with dreads. Respect. So, you know, he just kind of, you meet people who break all of the ideas that you have about culture, about mm -hmm. nationality, and about what you expect when you see a white person walking down the street in a foreign country. So you never know who's going to be sitting at the table with you. Mm -hmm. Half the teachers I work with have studied Chinese and speak it fluently. Mm -hmm. Like the roommate that I had when I first got there had studied Chinese for years. Mm -hmm. So day one, he took us out to the grocery stores, to the train stations. He showed us the neighborhoods. He helped us get our SIM cards to get our phones up and working. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it was more of an expectation of the employer put on the other employees. Like, okay, here's one of yours. Show them around. Mm. <laughs> what is like a dog litter type shit? No, I'm Kinda. kidding. I know, it's but like, it's, right, it's, it's your problem now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that again, that that's fascinating because I try to do that here, mm -hmm. but... It got exhausting after a while. You know what I mean? Where you're just like, the person's schedule and yours don't align, but also, you know, in America, once you come here, it's like you find work and you're going to school and you have kids and all this shit. Like, you're just busy doing a whole bunch of shit. So when a new student comes on, you're like, all right, who's got bandwidth to take him? Well, and that was my approach to it when I got new teachers. Mm -hmm. They would come in and they would watch my classes. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I've got an hour. Let me go show you a local noodle shop. Or let me show you where you can get some good dumplings. Did you ever run into one of those Americans? Well, it's a stretch, but I'll ask the question anyways, because fuck it. Did you ever run into one of those meat and potato Af uh, Americans that just go, well, I don't eat that. Mm -hmm. So how do you survive? McDonald's, it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. It's more popular in Taiwan than it is here. You can get your McDonald's, you can get your KFC, you can get Subway. You can How's get the chicken that? out there, though? Oh, better than it is here. It's way fresher. I don't believe that then you'll just have to come try won't you uh but that's just it it's COVID. <laughs> these well, no in taiwan that's been eradicated you're safe oh but they probably won't let you in right now yeah that's the problem but they have all of these american chains because they're very open to the west as opposed to other asian cultures that are a little bit more xenophobic okay so Taiwan has really focused on building those international relationships because of the tensions that they have with their relationship with China. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways that they protect themselves is through trade agreements and through education exchange. Like the collabo they have with previous country you in Belize. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, funnest place you've been to and is it most fun you've had in Asia where? Oh, that would definitely be in Laos. Uh, it's a country of like 15 people, isn't it? That's why I loved it. Because I got to fall off the face of the earth and I mm -hmm. got to do all these outdoor things. Do they have things. internet there? I'm asking mad ignorant questions, but just follow they me. They did have ignorant 
or sorry, they did not have internet. They had internet there, but because Laos is like where is it's, it's really small. It's really small. It's right. just north of Cambodia, sandwiched between Cambodia, Vietnam, and Thailand. Mm. It's really far off the beaten path. It's very mountainous, and there are no paved roads. So when you travel, you and are the going whole by Khon well, I mean, they have them, but the main roads to get up to these places... Isn't it like one to. of those where they have, like, one stoplight? Uh, do they even have stoplights? They do in the big cities. <laughs> I'm just asking stupid questions. No, I spent most of my time cities. in this little village floating in a river and hiking and caving. So I was oh, that's right. way you're, off the... You're, you're a renowned uh, cave diver there. Not a cave diver, cave. A spelunker, we'll go with. A spelunker? Somebody who goes into the caves and explores. Cave mm-hmm. diver insinuates that you know you have your dive certification and can go into the water. Got you. Okay, so Laos. Why, why was Laos so? I mean, considering old. I mean, Cambodia has history. Vietnam has history. Thailand has history. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, Cambodia has history. Vietnam why? Why well. Vietnam? Like, why was Laos so? I just felt like I was stepping back in time again. I felt like they were still living their history. Mm. You go up into the mountains and people are still living the same way they did a hundred years ago. They're still farming. They're still making their clothes. Mm -hmm. They have internet access. They have all the modern conveniences, but it's so far removed from village life Mm -hmm. that you have to travel to get that. So do you think that being American and be having access to so much convenience, like when, I mean, but taking out your, uh, your education aspect of it, right? Is do you believe that, like, what is your fascination? I mean, aside from that, what is your fascination with always? Because in conversations that you and I have had, you love remote fucking jumping off the cliffs and vanishing off the planet. Like, what is your fascination with that? Aside from the fact that you are an anthrop, uh, an archaeologist. I love studying human behavior, but the other aspect of my personality is that I'm an empath, so I tend to absorb the energies of everybody around me and when you're in a very densely populated area it can become very overwhelming Mm -hmm. just the noise Mm -hmm. that's how i describe it it's just noise everywhere all the time Mm -hmm. and i get very worn down okay so one of the reasons i like to go to these remote places is because i can be alone with my thoughts yeah but you're around people though no i wasn't i was literally in the middle of nowhere and i could look around and not see another human soul for a mile in any direction so you would discover places? It's kind like, of. Kind of. I mean, it's like when you go hiking, when you're up <laughs> the, in the, the mountains, the, when you're in the jungle, you're just away from people. From people yeah. No, but okay. No, that's fair. Um, so I guess all in all, like what, what, let's say if, if you were to give advice to an American listening to this or another person that is very rigid in terms of exploring their, uh, cultural uncomfortabilities what would be your advice to somebody like that my advice is that you're never going to grow as a person until you step outside your comfort zones okay and the hardest part about this lifestyle is making the decision to do it i think once you make the decision and you let go and just take that leap Mm -hmm. everything else falls into place how uh when i made the decision it was very fast I was on the fence about, okay, do I leave the U.S.? Do I go to school in Belize? What do I do here? Mm-hmm. And I waffled back and forth for weeks. Wait, and then you waffled? Yeah. I, like, I wanted to go, Not but sure. I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. I kept going back and forth, one side to the other. Back and w- forth. Waffles. Back and forth. And back and go forth. Ahead. But 
eventually I just one night made the decision, you know what? I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And the next day I had everything lined up. Boom, 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 boom. This is how I'm going to get here. This is how I'm going to come back. This is who's going to help set me up here. Mm-hmm. These are the people at the school that I need to know. This is how I'm going to arrange my finances. Okay. So once I made that decision, it was easy, but you have to throw yourself full force into it. This is not something that you can just play at. Gotcha. And you have to be open to those experiences. You can't just Good, bad, or indifferent. Know yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's nothing that you know. Nothing's Ooh. guaranteed, right? I like that. There's nothing that you know. Okay. So, um, Jack, any questions on your side before we wrap if you, up? If you had any, any advice out of this experience of you now going outside of your comfort zone, living your, leaving your parents, live in America, living a different life now. If you had to do it all over again, what's the one thing that, let's say, young Smidra is about to do this again? What would you tell her? Whatever you do, don't do that. Nothing. I wouldn't do anything differently because even the mistakes I've made have taught me lessons. It has revealed parts about my character. It has put me through diversity and shown me that no matter how low I think I've gotten, that I am strong enough to pull myself through it. And when, and when you're an immigrant and you're alone in a country, you can't just run home to mommy and daddy to fix your problems. You have you to have figure the choice, things though. out. You, of course you have the choice. But, you know, call it pride, call it ego, whatever you want yeah, to. Yeah. I, I didn't want to do that because I knew that was me giving up and me admitting that I couldn't mm, do this. Wow. Sounds like some people we know. Yeah. But that that's that is something that you know what? I'm glad you said that. Because I was hoping you wouldn't say a mistake. Reason why is because I tell people all the time, yeah, there's maybe things that everyone could do better, right? But mistakes are are just like are just like the, the way uh, of life. The, yeah, it's just another day in the life. No mistakes. No, if 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 your life is your your stairwell, every mistake is one step closer to a better version of yourself. Of course, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I've done some stupid shit. Oh, we all. And I've ended up in some shady places. Yo, I, but me. I mean, awesome. who hasn't? And me. The first, right? Oh, great. But at the end of it, it reveals your character. It reveals who you are when you have no other options except to count on yourself to get out of this. Perfect. And uh, you, you're you preaching right now. I'm, I'm <laughs> loving it. I'm loving it. But, you know, it. I believe a day in the life of an immigrant, we always wanted to, everybody get our perspective from people that left abroad, a different experience and brought it to America. But it's always very refreshing to get a pers- the perspective of someone who left America to go live as an immigrant somewhere else and bring us that experience here on our podcast for you guys to listen and enjoy the experience of somebody that been around. And you, out of everybody, are a beast and even much better than me. This guy, I believe he traveled, but this year, don't, I don't think even is, is half of the, the travel, the crazy travel you've done. You know, he's always a I've, good tourist. I've covered. He's not. a good tourist. Don't worry about it. He, he, he doesn't go crazy. Let you well, he's a, he's a good yeah, I'm a good tourist. Yeah, he's, let's go with he's, that. He's, he's a very good tourist. I'm a good tourist. Yeah, me, me, I travel for food. 
So well, we all travel for food. I, I don't know. I me, mean, no. I, I really travel for food. <laughs> like I'm the guy who was like googling all the crazy places, all the weird foods, the weird tried, food they yeah. gotta try. Next time you're in Arizona, look for where they sell uh, Arizona chicken rolls. Uh huh. Shit is fucking fire. All right, Arizona chicken rolls, but. Uh, but that's I'm, the U.S. Yeah. That's not bad. I'm just saying. No, it, no listen. I had never heard of it. I was put onto it. There's only one place in Arizona that sells this shit. Mm-hmm. It's fucking amazing. Okay. But I, I couldn't find it again because I went up to the mountain. So, uh, you know, it, it food experience is one thing I believe we need to talk about one time. Uh, the craziest food experience we've had as immigrants. <laughs> we, we need Are to you have sure it. you want to do that? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I would like to discuss the first time I actually had sushi on a naked Japanese person. Like Wait, the real what? way to eat sushi. Who are you right now? Exactly. Though? I travel for food. Whole new definition I know. Of fish. I know. Wow. Okay. okay so pound. That was a good This one. has been a, a day in the life of an immigrant. <laughs> My name is Jack Bigadu. Do you want to? Actually, I'll leave them with. Uh, I'll, I'll leave. I'll leave them with a closing uh, parable. Okay. About this one. Um. There's a saying: You never progress if you never try. I use this in my daily life. I use this when I advise people a lot. I need an African parable, man. No, I'm, I might give me my, a good one. My DNA is corrupt, so I'm going with what my DNA is giving you right now. You never progress if you never try. Okay. Right. And How about we give a parable that has to do with getting out of your comfort zone. You never progress if you never try. Mm. I, I had a different thing in mind. Okay, go ahead. Remember, remember what we... I know, no, when we were growing up, mm-hmm. our parents would always say one thing. Which they said a lot of one things. Yeah, but the, the one thing that reminded me to get out of your comfort zone, <laughs> my, my, my uncle used to say, he said, if you live in a house where you use a two-ply toilet paper, you haven't lived a day till you use cement paper to wipe your ass. What was wrong with your uncle? <laughs> the reason why he always said that is because he worked in construction and they had to, use you know, they had to use to papers. Ass, they yeah. have to be, they have to go in the wild yeah, to yeah, do yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a military guy. Yeah, yeah. And he always said that <laughs> when people, people come here and they, all their life, all they've known is two plies. They will never understand what it takes to actually go take cement. Two paper. plies not that great. Even three plies. That is important. Yes. Oh no! It, but take, taking take, taking taking cement paper. Yeah. So so I have to I have to tell you something about cement paper. Like my my uncle. Cement, wait, so what is cement paper? So like the bag of cement. You said the bag of cement. That's, that's bag loose paper? paper, dog. That's yeah, that's real paper. It's it's strong. It holds cement. That's hemorrhoids waiting to happen. Correct. But here's what my uncle used to do when we would go to the what construction the sites. Fuck, dude? He'd be like, you'd be like, oh, I gotta go to the bathroom. He's like, okay. Rip off yeah. the bag. No, 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 no. He take the cement paper and then he'll give you uh he one of those shovels. And he's like, here's a shovel, here's a cement paper. God bless. And, and, and yeah. And one day I'm like, I come back and I'm walking crooked, right? <laughs> And and he goes, no. <laughs> he goes, he goes. What's wrong? I say that's cement paper that cut my ass. <laughs> he goes, you're a dumb fuck. Like cement There's paper. No delicate hold way on, to hold use on. It. Oh no, oh no. He says cement paper. He's like you're a dumb fuck. Nowadays, kid, you guys don't know how to be smart. And he looks at him. He go, come here, come here. And I come. And he's like, 
You see paper? Yes. When you apply friction to paper, it becomes oh, soft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, he yeah. take the cement paper. And then like just, just and then he just he just slowly yeah, start washing on. the cement <laughs> paper, right? It was weird that we noticed yes, the yeah. <laughs> And then Oh my god. And then he hand me the cement paper. This. That thing was softer than the charmins. And Yo. he goes he he goes. God bless. Yeah, God bless. Like literally what he looked at me. So when he always tell me, he, every time he want me to get out of my comfort zone, he say, you've been born with a two-ply toilet paper. Till you've wiped your ass with cement paper, you don't know what, what the word looked That's like. That's so funny that you said that because like I like it's coming back to me where it's like- <laughs> This guy, I told you, he, he, his DNA is corrupt. The things <laughs> he's done growing up as an immigrant, like he, he he lived in the American way so much that it doesn't I come back. No, I suppress a lot of that. Yes. Because honestly, like honestly you guys make friends in university we make friends in high school uh, lifelong friends at high school friends. high school friends your life well most people's lifelong or friends or my neighbors from next door as well, well you live in the country sense. but what i'm saying is most of the people here they're like even when women go to college they call it what the the get a husband degree or whatever the fuck DRS. right so for us like the high school friends i did not like a lot life. of people in my high school the one person that I have till tomorrow, Chuck Dizzle Manizzle. Like, that's my guy. You know what I'm saying? I love that motherfucker till death. He was, was a weird born. kid in high school. That's I was why. a weird kid. Because me, all my high school friends, even though I went through bullying and teasing, my high school friends have respected me for my brain mostly because when you have good grades and you do well in school, all the friends want, want to be your accolade. But I'm telling you. It's total opposite here. Yeah, I know. I know. We talked about it on our previous podcast about how you respect it for. Nah, but that's what I'm saying is, so I, I, I suppress a lot of the memories that I have from school. Because even when I went back to get my, like, you know, they, they say, wait, like, your diploma comes, like, three years later. So I went back five years. I'm like, yeah, can I get my shit now? And they're like, who are you? I'm like, Taysu Osar. And they're like, Oh shit! This is what you've become. I'm like, yeah, I live in America now, but I had like two people that I like, two of my really close friends, and then you know what I mean. Like, it was a very, very different experience because, you know, they didn't understand me, but also I wasn't like very, very cool with a lot of these people. So he doesn't like, like people by nature. So. Well, it's funny that you say that because you sit here and you talk about your friends from high school, mm-hmm. and. I've always been an outcast. I've never quite fit in with any of the groups. And now that I've traveled abroad, I feel closer to some of the friends that I've made in my surrogate families that mm-hmm. we've cultivated mm-hmm. than I do even my own blood. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jack is sitting on my couch and he keeps telling people, this doesn't like people. You don't he like say, people. He will say, I do the work so you don't have to, right? Why is that? Because this is one of the closest people in my life that even when when we're on this podcast or when we're talking in public and like Jack says some like really foul shit, it was like, I be thinking that, but I can't say it to you out loud. And I'm like, yeah, well. Or even halfway across the world this morning, my friend could sense that something was wrong. We hadn't spoken. She's European. She calls me from Taiwan, says, hey, why haven't I heard from you? What's going on? She just knew. Yeah. It's like, there's just this intrinsic There's a vibe with people. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, so, uh, Anything else we did not cover, ladies and gentlemen, or lady and gentlemen? No. Well, uh, this has been a day in the life of an immigrant. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for being here with us. Smidra, as I like to call her. Um, We appreciate the insight that you've offered to the 
Immigrant Chronicles podcast uh, individual uh, supporter group and listeners. Um, Before we close, okay, I would like to give a shout out. Oh, okay, go ahead. We actually one of the people went and saw our PayPal and sent money to support us. How much? The second tier. So, ah, shout out to wait, who was the person? Sorry. I was, uh, I, I, I asked how much, like, I just went straight <laughs> to the money, like, fuck yeah, so the person. I told, so, I actually, uh, I actually told them they said they were having issues with the when clicking to do the support thing, so they're gonna try it later. Okay, but they sent you the PayPal, uh, thing. Appreciate uh, so, you. Tanya, Tanya Watts, uh, thanks for being a supporter. We appreciate you. A special shout Tanya out to you. What? <laughs> Jack is gonna call you at some point. He's trying to FaceTime. You know what I'm saying? We we, we at, end of the month is not done yet, so we still we still going. Jack is gonna FaceTime and hit you up on the call. You know what I mean? So end yeah. of the month is not done yet, so we just, we'll see at the end of call. the month whoever whoever actually end up doing you know what they do. So I have to thank our 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 supporter. And we didn't do this in the beginning, so I'll do it now. Thank you to all the supporters. Thank you to our audience for keep growing. Um, thank you to everybody who shares this, who supports us. Thank you for those who listen. Thank you for those who send feedback, constructive criticism, negative feedback, whatever the fuck. Uh, to keep doing that, you can contact us at immigrantchronicles at gmail.com, a day in the life of an immigrant on Facebook, Immigrant Chronicles on Instagram, Immigrant Cron on Twitter. We're everywhere. And uh, also, if you want to contact Jack, just hit him up on Facebook at Jack Bigadoo uh, or on his Instagram at InstaJack1. Why, why would you do this? Why would you do this? Yes, he takes all the questions, so I don't have to. I'm, I'm more on the back end type of person. But anyway, uh, thank you again, Smidra, for being here with us. We appreciate you. Uh, my name is Tay Suosar. I'm Jack Bigadoo. And uh, yeah. Peace. Peace.